Hi, before we get started with the episode, we just wanted to point you in the direction of the social accounts we've set up for the show to help you guys engage with us and communicate and get involved with our show. You can email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. Emailing us will really be the best way to talk to us directly and conversate with us on air during the show. Also, be sure to like You Can't Disappoint a Podcast on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Can't Disappoint Podcast and Twitter at You Can't Disappod. That's Disappod like Disappoint. So there's one S and two P's. Well, thanks for tuning in and let's kick off the episode. Here we go. <laughs> What do you think they're going to do to me? Well, we're not going to buy you an ice cream. Hi, Dean Pelton. <laughs> Quite an entrance I got to make there. You would be Britta Perry. I just spoke with Senior Chang, and I'm afraid Greendale takes this kind of thing very seriously. Much like a university would. So let's get a little bit of pre-show banter going on. You know, I like to fade in the middle of us already talking a little bit. Yeah, yeah. This rash is just so itchy and flaky, <laughs> and it won't go away, and I don't know what to do about it at this point. You know, point, I man. hear if you take, like, like some hummus, and you just get, like, a lot of hummus, and you just <laughs> roll around in it, and then you, oh. you get the fleeb, and then okay. a shlami comes, and he spits okay. on it. And he rubs it. Okay. Uh, next time I'm in town, you'll have to do that for me on my on my flaky rash. <laughs> yeah, it's just a regular old plumbus. Oh man. So. <laughs> oh hey there, world. Oh. Didn't see you there. All right. All right. <laughs> Hello everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm Zach. I'm Stephen. And yeah, we're here. Another week. Another episode of. You can't disappoint a podcast. How's how's your week been, buddy? Anything uh, exciting happen? I'm still kind of riding the high of the live stream that we got to be a part of. Absolutely. Yeah, that was so cool. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this episode, you've probably seen at least the bonus episode that we posted. Uh, yeah, we did a live stream with a bunch of other awesome people for Black Lives Matter, and it was awesome. Yeah, really yeah. good. It was... Uh, awesome to be a part of i'm happy that it happened and i'm looking forward to doing something like that again obviously our sights are set high for where we hope this podcast goes and that was definitely something i think we'll look back at as hopefully like an early highlight you know it was a ton of fun we met a lot of cool people yeah for sure no that was awesome getting to kind of uh talk to people that we'd seen in the twitter and instagram verse you know but hadn't actually gotten to you know put a face to a name and interact with uh, like that. So that was awesome. Well, yeah, this is a perfect segue to go ahead and throw our plug out to communities on Twitter. Yeah, shouts out. They're awesome. They seem to be listening to and enjoying what we're doing and also helping spread it to other people. I know that they've brought some people to at least our social media pages. So thank you for everything you're doing totally. for us. And it was really nice to get to meet Matt uh, from communities who was a part of the live stream. So yeah, if you're here because of them, thanks for checking us out. Yeah, we it was really them. great. I got to do an episode with uh, Matt, and that was really cool. Yeah, on that bonus episode we posted, you can hear five full-length audio commentaries from season one episodes of Community. A lot that we haven't got, all that we haven't gotten to yet, and 
if you're interested on YouTube, on the community's YouTube page, there's the whole 10 and a half hour entire first season audio commentary done by all types of great people. And there are more episodes that we did together that weren't on the bonus episode. And there are quite a few episodes that we also both did individually. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you want, like, the total, like, can't disappoint a podcast community experience, the way to do it is to watch community alongside the the uh, YouTube stream. And then in between episodes, come listen to the podcast. To our episode. Yeah. Exactly. And you can be totally encompassed and informed with as much community as you can physically handle. How can I put this delicately that we've made a lot of great friends from this who do the same type of stuff that we do? How can we say we support you, but we'll crush you? <laughs> as, uh, as Betty White said at B. Arthur's funeral, I can only imagine, there can be only one. So welcome is to the show, miss? guys. Is that, a, <laughs> is that a miss? Is that... <laughs> Shout out to B. Arthur. No disrespect. Uh, I'm a big fan of her. Work. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and pull it up since we're just having this kind of uh, loose conversation to start off the show. We have an email to read <laughs> off this week from one of our new friends who is also a community podcaster. It's Dom from Dom and Andre in the Morning. They're also a community rewatch podcast who is also doing the same episodes we're doing every week. It'd be easy to look yeah, at that up, as a Dom? competition, up, but. Yeah, I think it's cool that we're on the same schedule, and you can go get their opinions after you've listened to ours first every week. <laughs> anyway, this is what Dom wrote in to say. He says, Dear Zach and Steven, please squash the beef between the two of you. Also, oh, no. if we do a joint episode with our two pods, do you think we can convince Joel McHale to come on? Best Ooh. Dom and Andre. Oh, I guess it's it's signed Dom and Andre of of Dom and Andre in the morning. So let's address this beef. Yeah, if you don't mind, may I have the floor first? So for those who aren't aware, you know, it, it may have come out during the live stream that Zach and I may tend to have, you know, what I like to think of as more lovers quarrels or spats. You know, it's it's all in good fun. But I see how you from the outside looking in, or from you know Zach's testimonials and and reports. <laughs> Uh, that it would seem like we re-get into a little more than we do. But, you know, it's just friendly, friendly back and forth. And as for doing an episode together, you know, Joel McHale recently did a podcast. He was just on the Six Seasons in a Podcast podcast, right? Is that what I saw on Twitter was the case? Oh, are you cool. are you done talking? Am I allowed to talk now? Do I have the floor back, Steven? <laughs> sure thing, Skip! <laughs> um... So what you said about all that, that is so not true. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm not one to sugarcoat anything. I hate Stephen Baker with every ounce of my being. <laughs> we joke, we joke. There no. <laughs> and as far as Joel McHale, no, Dom and Andre, I don't think Joel McHale would do our podcast <laughs> if we if we joined up. I think yeah, he'll stick to the ones that people are actually listening to so far. Well, did that you being ask him? said, did I ask Joel? Yeah, don't you don't you see each other at like your your white guy meeting or me and Joel McHale? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, it's usually <laughs> at Ryan the Seacrest uh, sport coat there. sweatpant. Yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? Less and less people showing up to those meetings lately. I'm, what the heck? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they're not proud of it. <laughs> oh man, this is all this is all definitely staying in the podcast. 
Um, oh God! So, hello and welcome to You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. <laughs> I'm Steven. I gotta take a shit. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> just, just leave, just leave it running. I'll take it. Dom, thank you. For, you'll take my shit for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dom, oh. I, I don't know why I'm feeling kind of spicy so far today, but Dom, to recap, thanks for the message. I'm glad we're friends now. Let's really do stuff together. I have a couple ideas, so get in touch with us. Also, if you have any tips for getting along with your co-host, because you and Andre seem to be like almost friends, you know, so like, yeah, how, how do you weird. make that work? How, I, why don't we do like some kind of like podcast wife swap type situation? <laughs> I'm thinking a situation where like me, Dom, and Andre will join forces, and you can. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't care. Do I get the morning? <laughs> Is that what I get out of it? <laughs> Morning with a U. Morning your podcast. Dom and Andre and the morning. Dom and Andre and the morning. Oh my god. What show are we talking about? Parks and Rec? We're actually talking about Community, Season 1, Episode 5. That would be Advanced Criminal Law, Zach. Yeah, we absolutely are. And what a great episode. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) You know... We've been we've been recording, or at least I've been recording on Audacity for 15 minutes. Me too. I feel like we haven't said anything yet. <laughs> no, but you know it's a good good intro. That was such a botched intro, but yeah, I'm having a good time. So now mm-hmm. let's hope we can do the rest of this right. We're talking about advanced criminal law. It was directed by Joe Russo. It oh was, hey, Russo's still still yeah, hanging all of around them so far. A lot of the first two mm-hmm. seasons they directed tag teaming, and I think they came back for a couple of the last seasons after. Doing some Marvel stuff. Uh, Joe directed this one. It was written by Andrew Guest. This is his first writing credit. Um, He also wrote a season one episode called Romantic Expressionism. He wrote a second season episode called Messianic Myths and Ancient Peoples. That's the Abed is Jesus episode. Okay. And he also wrote two classic, classic episodes. He wrote one of the all-time greats, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Which is maybe my favorite episode of the show. Mm-hmm. And he also is credited with A Fistful of Paintballs, so one oh, half cool. of the season two paintball finale. I'm sure Dungeons and Paintball were a room-written effort, but he was the yeah. writer for it. So what a what a good feather in your cap. <laughs> uh, and for sure. it originally aired October 15th, 2009. We're getting... Closer and closer Ooh. to Halloween, and I'm excited to watch that episode and get in the Halloween spirit a little bit in the middle of summer. Oh, me too. So just, yeah, vaguely, I know you haven't watched this episode, but what do you think you would think of it? Um, I think that, you know, if I were to have watched it, I would have really liked a lot of things about it, but I think there are a couple of glaring issues that I have with it. Really? Yeah, just a couple, just a couple that well, keep we'll, it. I'm sure we'll get as, to them when like, we get to them. I'm excited yeah. to have but some I discourse on this. I think that I laughed really hard at a couple of the jokes each of the times that I didn't watch it, but I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I enjoyed the episode. But for me, it's like upper upper echelon, but not quite top level of what just of what we've watched so far of the whole show. I think it's it's in the top half of episodes. I think this was probably my favorite episode we've watched for this podcast so far out of the first five. Um, Really? I think it was the most consistently funny. It had me laughing pretty much the whole time. 
Um, mm-hmm. Not to say that there aren't a few things that aren't exactly my favorite, but yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say negative about this one. I do agree with you, though. I don't think I... Man, this might actually be something I have to do at some point, like try to make like a ranking just of all the episodes. But hey, Tearmaker still exists. I don't know if I put this one in the top half of episodes or not. It'd probably be bordering around there. I gotcha. I don't know. It's it's a really good one of these early grounded episodes. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Jumping into the episode, you know, or before we jump into the episode, but something yeah. about the episode. Yeah. It's the first time we really get to hang out with the Dean, which is yes, great. And that's yes. what makes my heart extra happy about this one. Yes. The Dean is still forming in this episode what that character is going to become, but Jim Rash is very funny. And there are several moments that are very indicative of the Dean that we all know and love. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Before we talk too much about it, let's go ahead and do our trivia. I've got four this time. I have three this time, so perfect. Okay, so I'll go first. Um, How much did the judges' table cost, and what did it include? Ooh, um, I think it was $6,000. Okay. It was either six or sixty thousand, but it's six thousand dollars, and it included a sound system or speaker system. It's six thousand and a sound system. Nice. What desk would cost sixty thousand dollars? I don't know. It's a nice desk. It's not that nice. I don't know, but they, <laughs> what they, desk comes with a sound system? Uh, take that, Yale. <laughs> take that, Yale. Name three of the four movies Abed wants to ask Luis Guzman about. Oh no, I don't know all of them. I know they all rhyme. It's like way. They all end with way or a. Mm. I don't know. I don't know them though. They. I don't think any of them were movies I had seen. Oh really? I don't think so. What was the list? Carlito's Way. I know that Rick. one because of the show Love. Oh, that's fair. Oh, they, that? I, th- I think they, that's one they... of the films that they wrote a song for. It is. Oh, that was good. That was one of my favorite things about that show, Love. We'll talk about that later on in the podcast at some point. The Cowboy Way, which I have not seen. Mm -mm. The Hard Way, which I have seen. And Q&A, which I have seen. Q&A was the one that was on the tip of my tongue, but I don't think I've seen any of those films. Hmm. That's fair. Luis Guzman, though, great character actor. He's in a lot of things. Yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit more as we go through this episode. Uh, His presence is... Important to this show, especially the first couple seasons, and this is yeah, one of those is. first episodes it is. with that. Um, okay, so my next question, there are a couple of things that would work as an answer. Give okay. me anything you remember from Chang's morning routine. It was a Tuesday, uh, crack of dawn, 5.58 a.m. I got up, I took my morning deuce, I made a breakfast consisting of... Well, it was Tuesday. So we're ta- yeah, we're talking about the, the crack of dawn. Year. Yeah. 5.58 a.m. Yeah. Um, he got out of bed, took his morning deuce. Yeah. The uh, last part he trailed off, he started saying one other thing. Oh, I don't know what it was. He was like, I had a breakfast consisting of dot, dot, dot. And, you oh. Know, ah, that's okay. I was distracted by the guy diving in the pool at that part. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That was a good one, though. But can you do better? Ah, uh, yeah, next is me. Uh <laughs> What this is, a, this is an easy one. Okay. What celebrities does Troy say he's related to? Uh, Barack Obama and uh, Danny Glover, which, which is, is hilarious. A funny meta joke because Donald Glover. Yeah, obviously people have meta. made the Glover connection between the two of them and asked if they were related before, which they're not. 
Yeah, I know when I first was like, oh, Donald Glover, he must be Danny Glover's son. That was my first thought immediately. Are you saying uh, all Glovers look the same, Steven? Yep. Okay, uh, so my <laughs> next question, what color was Troy's lollipop? Troy had a lollipop? Yeah, this Troy was... did have a lollipop when he was walking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, was it red? No, you idiot. You stupid. You stupid man! It was green. Green. It was oh, clearly yeah. green. It, wow, that was a that was a, tr- a tough one. It was Tuffy. so green. Yeah, it was the a green little tough. One. That's okay. I should have been and looking at his lollipop. You have one more. I do, Zach. For yes. one million dollars, what is the Hawthorne wipes jingle? <clears throat> um, I believe it was something along the lines of, <laughs> "You'll be wiping off." The you know, you'll be wiping up that ketchup with our wipes. Hawthorne, Hawthorne wipes. wipes. Uh, you'll be wiping off our mu- your that mustard with our wipes at the at picnic. the picnic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well done. I really liked the screaming. That just makes me think that that's what the jingle is. I really hope that that's what it is. Final question: um, What cheerleading move can Annie not do to save her life? Ah, uh, well, not only is she not very pretty and has no boobs, but she cannot do a basket toss to save her life. Yes, all things that are still very true of Allison Brie. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> She's still stuffing to this day. So yeah, I think we can hop right on into this episode. Are you ready, my friend? I'm ready. I'm ready and rearing to go. All right, so as so many great episodes do, it opens with the Dean talking over the announcements. Yeah, it was a really great open Dean. I'm going to pretend like he didn't say that. Um, <laughs> he, We're talking about Luis Guzman. Um, he's been in so many great things. He's in a lot of films that Paul Thomas Anderson directs, who is a favorite director of mine. And most recently, I watched him in Punch Drunk Love which mm. is a really good movie, and he has a really fun part. That's a, You should really watch that film. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. It's really good. So they're talking about how they're dedicating the Louise Guzman statue and unveiling the brand new school song. There's a, a, a exchange a little bit where Troy talks about how Louise Guzman is coming and he's not coming to talk about the movies that Abed wants to talk about. Uh, Lu- Louise never shows up. No in the episode, and it's not really—is it mentioned? Well, I, I think. Forget. Did they ever say that he's not coming? But Troy was joking the whole time because Abed's like, "Oh, do you think that he'll ever come to visit his statue?" And Troy's like, um, "Oh, yeah, he's totally on his way from Hollywood to come talk to you about this." Yeah. So that which brings me to the other point is that you know Luis Guzman apparently went to Greendale, and they're having a statue of him <laughs> dedicated, and he can't even be bothered to show up. No. <laughs> and I really like the Dean's pre-prepared boombox speaker noises of like the Greedale, 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 and he's like mouthing it as it happens. But this sure feels like a real college to me. I like Duncan's reaction because he's just so appalled at what's happening. Yeah, and speaking of Duncan, I really like this opening scene with Duncan and Jeff. I wish. I say it every time, I wish Duncan was almost one of the core characters. John Oliver, I think, shines his brightest in this episode so far. 
I this think so too. Interaction. It, this is some Duncan stuff that we're seeing for the first time when he's mentioning his attraction to Britta. Mm-hmm. And he goes from like wanting to hit on her to semi caring if there's something going on with her and Jeff to wanting to counteract what's going on with her and Jeff to making fun of her name and he like just does it all on a dime. Hilarious. Like, can Hilarious. you imagine? It was, it was living so with funny that name? and so quick. He's like, Can you imagine? <laughs> after, you know, Duncan says he'll be a good dude and he won't hit on Britta until after Jeff is striked out. He's just there for sloppy seconds. One of my favorite interactions of the whole episode is when Duncan says cheers, just as Abed is walking by. Cheers. Mash. Faulty Towers. Game over. Have a nice day. Yeah, that was good. I got good. a kick out of that one. That was really good. The Faulty Towers being a really famous British television program that I've heard of, but know absolutely nothing about. I was going to say, I've never watched it, but I've, I've definitely heard of its existence. That being said, I've also never seen an episode of Cheers or Mash. I have seen some episodes of Cheers. I've seen, like, 30 seconds of MASH, but I never stayed on that channel long in my life. I've never really dabbled in the TV of that era other than the, like, family sitcoms that were on when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I've watched a lot of the A-Team. I feel like I should watch some of the shows. I feel like I'd probably really like Cheers. Yeah, I think Cheers I'd probably enjoy. Actually, now that I think I've seen just about all of the A-Team, and I liked that quite a bit. When I was like, hey, Steven, do you want to maybe get together and do a podcast, like, talking episode by episode through a TV show? Were you like, A-Team, A-Team, come on, come on, A-Team. <laughs> I was really hoping for My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, because I have some, like, controversial thoughts. Yeah, but I think your controversial thoughts about My Little Pony Friendship is Magic would probably get us kicked off of the internet. You so think? So maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's best to keep it on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Here's that interaction you were talking about with Troy and Abed. Yeah, Luis Guzman is on a private jet from Hollywood because he can't wait to have that conversation with you. Really? How does he know about me? Because he called me on my cell phone. Why would a movie actor call you? You don't know? No. I'm President Obama's nephew. I like looking at this plot line from the lens of Abed the whole time has to know when Troy's lying to him. Abed, Does he, though? Because knowing Abed is someone who knows pop culture so well and, like, TV so well and sitcoms so well in particular, mm-hmm. him to not have any indication of sarcasm at all surprises me. Maybe That's when true. it's coming from someone in his life that he, like, trusts or, like, a friend, it throws him off. But I like to think there's a chance that as soon as Troy starts thinking that Abed doesn't quite get what's going on, that Abed's already like three steps ahead thinking about his alien plan and how he can spin this to like freak out Troy. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome if that were the case. I was kind of thinking that, but I wasn't totally sure, you know, at what point he kind of caught on. Mm-hmm. But I could totally see Abed, you know, especially with how quick he tends to mimic somebody's behavior when it's something that he hasn't really done a whole lot with. So That's that makes a good total point. sense that when Troy would show sarcasm Abed would be like okay let me do sarcasm hardcore and all be sarcastic that's about fair. not getting that's it. probably more so, likely what it is uh after hey. this we get a little Jeff and Britta conversation I think Jeff is pretty cool this episode for the other most part other than a couple of places and this yeah. is one of them this is absolutely one of them when Britta I don't know this is one of those things that could only ever happen in a sitcom Britta gave Jeff the fake phone number 
and he's been calling the wrong person or texting the wrong person for a month. And now he's like demanding the real phone number. And it's a cutesy sitcom interaction when, he, oh, Brit is like, I'll give you my number if you promise not to use it in any other context than friendship. Uh, pass. Yeah. I don't know. It's this type of thing would only ever, if, if he was the type of person that actually did this in real life, he would be like a skeevy creep. Yeah, that'd be such a douchebag thing to do. But yeah. in the in the show, and even when it happened in the show, I was like, oh, you know, it's just, no, there's Jeff. Britta does kind of have some body language that's a little flirty and a little bit suggestive, the looks that she gives Jeff. So I don't think it's totally one-sided, which no, changes things. No, and I things. think that some of her dialogue with Jeff, she's definitely like you know, turned him down, but she's still playing the game with him. This episode has a holy trinity within it. And in every way, these three people kill it the entire episode. That, of course, being John Oliver, Jim Rash, and Ken Jong. Oh, yeah. Every interaction that any combination of them had the whole episode was perfect. And then they all come together for a chunk of the episode, and that's perfect. So good. I have really enjoyed all these early scenes of Chang teaching the Spanish class. I really liked him calling out Starburns, and we get Starburns' first line when he retorts that his name is really Alex, and I love Chang's rebuttal where he's he's using his hand to look like he's like shaving on his face. He's like, well, maybe yeah. if you spent five hours forming that Carving on your face, that. people will remember it. <laughs> Hilarious. I thought it was so funny when... Um... When he was holding up the little piece of paper, and he was just like, eyes almost closed, and he's doing... I feel like his eyes are closed. I think right? they're completely closed. He looks like he's <laughs> having an allergic reaction. <laughs> and it was just so funny, because I mean, it was very clearly Ken Jong there just, you know, running with it and doing a really good job, but it's right. it's just another another great scene of him kind of opening class with something outrageous. Right, and, and I really great. like those. Mm -hmm. So let's talk for a second. You mentioned him staring at this tiny piece of paper. Um, there's been a test in the class, and someone cheated writing all the answers on a little piece of paper that got left after the test, and everyone's in trouble, and if nobody owns up to cheating, everyone's going to fail. So I want to open this up to a little bit of conversation. Did you ever use a paper like this on a test in class? Um, what, was, what was your class cheating like? Mine was either... Because I, feel I like know you did. Tests. I'm asking, but I know you did. Well, I'm trying to think, because, like, on tests, I feel like it was more so, like, literally just exchanging answers. Now, when it came to giving people answers... Like, I someone not looking things. and being like, hey, yeah, what's this answer? Yeah. Exactly. Like, on homework, it was different. But during a test, I feel like there were only maybe... Maybe in math, like, I wrote down some formulas on something and, like, had it under my paper... Like, yeah. you know, you wear a hoodie and you kind of slide it with your arm and stuff. But when I was, like, giving people answers on tests, if it were multiple choice, I was a big fan of the, you know, tap once for A, tap twice for D, or for B. Well, clearly, you know, maybe there's a flawed system. Three times for C, you know, four times for D, that jazz. So were you typically the person asking for answers or typically the person giving answers? On tests, definitely giving. I could see that. I didn't do homework. So. You'd be like, hey, I give you all the test answers, so let me copy your homework really quick. Exactly. I, I can relate to that. I mm -hmm. liked the technique of writing answers on like my planner, my like, mm. class planner, and then I put it on the floor on top of all my books, no, like right good. in eye shot, so I could like see it while I was doing the while I was doing the 
test. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of times, if it were like dire circumstances, right, I would do the right with my head down and my arm across the desk, and then my phone tucked into like my elbow crease. With I used on. a lot of methods like that to spend the majority of most of my classes on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure senior year I had my headphones in most of the day because I would just like shrivel my head down like a turtle into my hoodie and then or have them up my sleeve. <laughs> in fact, Stephen, you and I had uh, yeah AP English together. <laughs> Thorny Miss Thornburg, yeah. And I remember having it down pretty well, where I would like have my phone kind of in my crotch. Mm-hmm. And keep my head down and look at Reddit that whole class every day. <laughs> yeah, and that was the class where I didn't write days. a single paper, but I did great on all the vocabulary tests during the week, which were like 2% yeah. of the grade, so it did not yeah. matter. But it's fine, you know. <laughs> so someone cheated in Chang's Spanish class, and everyone's mad. And right before the little theme song blurb, I love the running joke of chang's like intense love for one of the male extras who sits in the front of his class toby right he gave him the name this time yes it was toby he's just except for you toby (laughs) that was really funny after the theme song we get a classic troy line the only difference between senior chang and stalin is that i know who senior chang is (laughs) that's a really funny line (laughs) that was really funny shirley's complaining about how chang called her jack a but then, oh, yeah. and what, do does he think name. I'm just some stereotype? And then she follows it up with, with something vaguely stereotypical. Right. Like it was Marianne, Grandpa, Jack Hay, and Kumar. I liked his, like his yeah. <laughs> old yeah. man voice. And I liked when he called Abed Kumar. It cuts to Abed, and he's smiling, and then he says Kumar, and he drops a smile and just like shakes his head like, no. It's like, that's not who I am. <laughs> Right? (laughs) It's like, that's not cool. They're in the study room around the table. Pierce says, who do you think cheated? And everybody looks at Jeff. Of course. And Jeff totally has the mentality that I used to have that's like, if I was going to cheat, I'm not going to write the answers from the book on a piece of paper. That's literally learning or studying. It is. When you have to work harder to cheat, then there's no no point. Or that's just to say that it's like equally... Most of the people who are doing these cheating things, they're still putting pen to paper, remembering what they're writing. It's studying. Yeah. And you think you're being slick. They're all trying to blame each other for cheating. They have that whole interaction where... I may be naive, but I'm not stupid. Well, I may be stupid, but I'm not trying to look like I'm not. Well, I may be a genius, but I'm not a lesbian. Pierce had a lot of good one-liners this episode. I thought he was pretty funny. Pierce did have a lot of good one-liners this episode. The whole cast did. I think this episode is really funny and quippy. So Annie's really stressed out on top of this whole cheating situation. She doesn't like the thought of her grade being out of her control, and I totally know people that would be like that. And she's super stressed out because of, for whatever reason, she's in charge of the committee for the new school song. (laughs) Right. Which she probably absolutely volunteered for. Pierce is like, oh, you're a musician? And Annie goes, ew, no. (laughs) I'm just in charge of the thing. Pierce, just as I'm sure Chevy Chase does, like his ears perk right up, and he's like, "Oh, well, you know, I'm a I'm a Grammy-winning musician who (laughs) uh, who wrote the Talent commercial song," and he just has to make himself involved. Absolutely, you could tell, and he's been you know jumping at every musical opportunity he's had already in the show. So Mm -hmm. he was like, "Ooh, 
time to shine once again which is great. So this interaction definitely, it helps out your theory of Abed's understanding of the sarcasm when he starts saying, um, well, Troy could do the song. You know, he invented rap music. And Shirley has that really funny line. Shirley doesn't get to do a lot in this episode, but she has a couple no, funny one-liners where she says, Abed, have you been racist this whole time while I'm telling everybody at church what a sweet little caramel angel you are? <laughs> this is like, Which Troy's related to Barack Obama. Danny Glover, Danny and Glover. he made rap music. He invented rap. The interaction when Troy tells Abed that he's been lying is really funny. Uh, Danny Pudi's really funny when he's like, this, is, uh, this isn't a desk. And then he laughs to himself. He's like, That's <laughs> that funny. was so funny. He's like, this isn't a table. <laughs> I, thought, I thought his laugh was really wholesome and adorable. It was, and I think that... I like the different laughs that Abed has throughout the the show already, and kind of even in, within the episode, he uses a couple mm-hmm. different ones, mm-hmm. and it's it's very much like his brain, the way he processes things, or at least like expresses what he's processing, is very much like, okay, this is funny, dude. Like this is the reaction when something's funny, and then it happens like that, you know. And I think he just Danny Pudi does right. such a great job of portraying that. I take a little bit of umbrage in this moment where Jeff says, remember when we used to study Spanish? Because they've never friggin' studied Spanish. Yeah, this is an example of, like, the writers of the show are smart enough to put in jokes like that that are kind of meta. Mm -hmm. But it comes off a little bit self-important when they're, like, I don't know, they're calling out something that the show does as a yeah. way to minimize it instead of just like showing them study Spanish every now and then. You know <laughs> right? what I mean? It's like comment, like making a joke about it. Like, isn't it so funny that we don't actually do what the show is based around? And they do jokes like this pretty often. Instead and of just actually that big of a deal, doing it. But it's not my favorite type of meta joke when they're just lampshading their own laziness. Totally. But that's such a Dan Harmon thing to do. I mean, Rick Absolutely. and Morty is, is full of that. Did you watch... The most recent season of Rick and Morty. I saw the first two episodes. I'm, I'm uh, riding the struggle bus. I need to wait till it's out on Hulu. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Then that's a conversation for another day. It was good. I think it's probably the weakest season so far. Really, worse than last uh, season? I like. I think season three is my favorite. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, we, this is a discussion for another day then. So we cut to the cafeteria. And this trope of having a conversation in the middle of the cafeteria buffet continues, just like totally standing in the way. Mm-hmm. And he got the dean's permission, so Pierce is writing the school song now. This is something kind of interesting that we'll talk a little bit more as we go through some more of these scenes. Apparently, from listening to the audio commentary, a lot of Pierce's subplot in this episode was rewritten and refilmed after originally being finished because the network thought it was too dark. Really? It seems like the original had a lot more like the scenes of Pierce working on the music. Mm-hmm. He was a lot more like mean to anyone who was trying to help him. And Dan Harmon said in the commentary, it was kind of like him poking fun at himself. And oh, he like, wow. won't accept help from people. Mm-hmm. And apparently it led to this monologue where Annie kind of like tells Pierce off and says, you know, I somehow got tricked into thinking you were decent for a second. And I don't know, apparently it was like a little bit of a heavier conversation and the network thought it was too dark. Wow. So they changed it to those lighter scenes where, you know, Pierce is, 
Chevy is just improvising over a piano for the most part. And, and they changed um, it? Yeah. I that's totally crazy. That. That's yeah, that's really cool. Like I kinda wanna see the, the darker the darker timeline, you know. They where... might be out there on a as a deleted scene somewhere. I haven't watched the deleted scenes yet. Ooh, I hope um, so. That'd be cool to see. And I feel like it might have been a little bit better. Um, I really yeah. like Pierce's subplot in this, especially the way it ends. But the Annie Pierce stuff is probably the weakest part of this episode. So I'm gonna hit go ahead you on your tirade. Here. Yeah, I. This is where I get to what I really like and what I dislike about the episode. What I really like is that instead of just an A and B situation, we've got A, B, C, which this show mm-hmm. does very well, right? You've got three pretty solid pairings. You've got Jeff and right. Britta. You have Troy and Abed, and then you have Annie and Pierce, which, you know, is kind of opposite ends of the age spectrum, which is why it kind mm-hmm. of works, you know. And surely they cast aside as they do quite often throughout the show. No, no plot, yeah, but surely. Yeah, she's there at the study table and then gone for the rest of it. Unless <laughs> yeah, in class she's, she's taking care of her kids, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, who, but, who are perpetually the same age. Yes, they never get older. Um, <laughs> black don't crack. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> um that's fair i guess by the time i was 13 i looked about 30 so it's true it's true um but what i i actually this is not my favorite troy and abed plot oh it's not exactly my favorite either in fact going into this one i kind of thought oh yeah this is that one where abed pretends to be an alien and it doesn't totally work for me but upon this rewatch it made me laugh a little bit more than i was expecting yeah, I think, and I'll give my kind of final thoughts on the Troy and Abed thing later. Yeah, but I ended up liking it more as it went on, like towards the like at the end of it. But I definitely like I wasn't the biggest fan of it towards the beginning of the the bit and in the middle of it. But we're talking about Annie and Pierce here. But that I did like quite a bit. Now we're back into Cheng's classroom, and he's giving the cheater one last chance to be honest, and face La Musica. And that's when we get a really funny Alison Brie moment where the time's clicking, (laughs) ticking down, you're expecting someone to stand up, and instead Annie just screams at the top (laughs) of her lungs. She's so stressed out about this grade and how, like, it's out of her hands. And I certainly wasn't one of these people in high school, but I definitely had friends who were like this Mm -hmm. that... It, it, it rings true, even if it's a little over-exaggerated. Um, Annie's, she says she's never gotten a zero before, and it's terrifying to have it out of her control. Yeah. But thankfully she doesn't have to, because this is when Britta steps up and really puts this plot line into motion. Chang chastises her in front of the class, and Britta tries to step up on behalf of her class to... I don't know, say, like, you can't just get people to turn on people like that, which <laughs> is a, fun, a really funny moment and running joke where Chang just turn on her, and everyone instantly has pre-balled up pieces of paper ready to, to throw at Britta. <laughs> and even Annie balled one up to throw, too. <laughs> that's, that's a really funny running joke that, that, like, it's almost kind of like how in The Simpsons... Uh, Springfield will become like an angry mob for any issue at any time. Yeah, right. Someone's like, hey, let's be mad at this as a group. And it feels like that. It's just like, turn on her. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Poor Britta. 
That's a total early Britta is the worst moment. It Even is. It's not really her fault. No. Um, yeah, whether she cheated or not, she's just standing up and trying to do the right thing for her classmates. Which shows that regardless of what Britta does, she just can't win. I like that after Chang like, really chastises Britta and sends her out of the class and calls her a poop face, then he's like, all right, now it's time to learn some formal greetings. <laughs> he just goes right back into teacher mode. I Chang is so good. I think he's probably, you know, if not the best, one of the best on the show at, at, at jumping from totally outrageous to totally calm. I mean, Donald Glover's great at that too. But Chang just is, his delivery is so good when he does that. Oh, yeah, because he's so, like, unstable that he can yeah. go from, like, 2 to 10 to back to 2 in 5 seconds. <laughs> and often does. Yes. So after that scene, now we're in the student lounge, and Jeff and Britta are talking about the situation. Uh, I like the Jeff is pulling the card when he's like, you know, before all of this, and he has his hand gestures. He's like, you were up here, and I was down here, and now we're kind of more centered out. And, oh, I gave some money to a bo- uh, homeless guy, so I'm a little bit higher right now. Well, except that he calls him a dirty bum, which, yeah. makes, which means he doesn't get to go up at all. <laughs> and... That leads to an amazing introduction when Britta says, I wonder what they're going to do. And the dean comes out of nowhere, just like he always does. He's like, well, we're not going to get you ice cream, that's for sure. Hi, Dean Pelton. Yeah, that was so cute. I love the dean so much. <laughs> and this is a landmark moment because it's the first time the dean has actually interacted with any of the core characters. Yeah. And it's the first time we're seeing Dean and Jeff together. And that's, like, the true ship of the entire series. Oh, absolutely. Number one. Jeff and the Dean. Jim Rash totally kills it, this this little blurb that he gets. The Dean's so funny. Um, the way he keeps saying stuff like, you know, Greendale takes his stuff very seriously and, like, looks around the entire room and says, much like a real university would. <laughs> it almost seems like a real college. <laughs> I think that's hilarious because he's saying this to people who, like, already go to his school. Who go there. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he trying to impress? Whose mind is he trying to change? It's so funny. The dean mentions that they're going to have a hearing to decide what they're going to do about Britta. And it's going to be in Portrait Hall, which Jeff follows up with. Isn't that the pool? And the whole courtroom pool scenario in this episode is a is a highlight. That's an early series highlight. I think it's really funny. Oh, yeah. I think it's 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 hilarious because it's just such a funny idea that they would, you know, first of all, be having a trial in the first place about a tiny piece of paper in a community <laughs> college Spanish class. Right. Right. Uh, but <laughs> but not only that, but they're holding court in a pool. <laughs> While they're talking about it, that's when the dean mentions the $6,000 judges table and he looks around <laughs> at everyone in the room, too, to... So like, hey, we have $6,000, guys. <laughs> or at least we did before For we bought that table. With the, table. With a sound system. Also, what community college has an Olympic-sized pool? Well, Greenville, they have a football stadium sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. It, can have, it can have whatever it needs for that week. That's fair. Uh, through this interaction, we decide that Jeff is going to represent Britta, kind of like a lawyer in this, in this matter. Mm-hmm. Britta is kind of frustrated by this because... She sees through it. She knows that Jeff is just doing this to score some brownie points mm-hmm. to try to get in her pants still. And Britta doesn't need someone to fight her battle for her. And Britta doesn't necessarily care if she gets in trouble or not. No. 
she she because she wouldn't have you know stood up and confessed if she really were that yeah. worried about it we break away from that to go back to troy and abed and i like this storyline a lot more before the alien stuff starts happening when it's yeah. just the innocent abed like misunderstanding sarcasm it's very funny this is where we get hey troy did you hear all dogs are blue now every single dog in the world is blue I'm just messing with you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> You're so right that he's laughing like he's seen other people laugh. And this is when Choi lays it down for him. When he's like, you know, first of all, I can't get got. Secondly, uh, you're not good at this. Your face is bad. <laughs> Your face is bad. Another classic Choi line. Donald Glover's acting and facial expressions, as always, are really on point. And this episode probably gives him the most to do that any of them have yet so far, even if the plotline doesn't surround him yeah so that's nice to see it is one of my favorite abed lines from the plot line is here uh troy notices the alien scribbling that abed's doing what are you writing in snowpad yeah but what you, what language it's probably arabic so abed leaves troy's all good and confused i really like the dynamic of this prank that obviously troy knows that abed's not an alien yeah but Abed goes so far with this prank that it's hard not to question something. Right? It's almost like, you know, normally on a TV show, Troy would be like, oh, maybe Abed is an alien. But <laughs> because he's going to such great lengths. Yeah. You know, and like even, you know, like they say, like, like he's writing in an alien language. You know, mm -hmm. he's making alien noises and jumping around and being intentionally odd, you know. Right. Now we cut to the pool judge's table, and this is where that holy trinity that's been setting itself up all episode finally gets together. This judge's panel is amazing. It's so good. Uh, even, like, right away when they're introducing themselves, and <laughs> Chang says professor, and he's like, no, no, you, you teacher, not professor. Yeah, I could literally just quote everything that all of these characters say to each other. No, you're a teacher, you're not a professor. Maybe because I don't look like Ron Weasley. That's the difference. That's the qualifying factor. Gentlemen! It just, the banter sounds so natural. It doesn't sound like they're reading lines. It sounds like they're actually, like, talk, having that interaction together. This is just all a total farce of a community college run by idiots trying to do <laughs> something, like, the, the right legal way, but... Je you know, like Jeff brings out, uh, you know, Chang is the one who is accusing Britta in the first place, and <laughs> Duncan is Jeff's friend. It's, it's, they're like trying to do things th much like a real university would, but it's just so farcical and not quite at all. Well, and I like that when, when Jeff points out Chang being on the, you know, jury, uh, I don't know if it's Chang or, uh, or the dean that says, like, oh, well, you know, he's your drinking buddy and jeff doesn't really say anything but john oliver goes damn right or something like that <laughs> <laughs> or like you've yeah. got that right <laughs> or caught red-handed or something like that to imply Which that they're like really close one of the all-time great dean lines what well, sounds like there are two biases one on each side and i go both ways oh let's strike that lashonda can we please strike that i am impartial so it should all work out <laughs> that was so good because it's just like the kind of slip that the de that the dean like doesn't even care about at some point anymore, you know. But well, I think he it's, always it's cool cares. To see it for the first time coming out, 
I think it's more that nobody else cares, and he could have just said it and let it go, <laughs> and no one would have thought anything of it, but he has to, like, call more attention out to it, you know? <laughs> so we call Chang to the, um, I don't know what you want to call it, to the stand, I guess. It's a chair with a microphone in front of it. I would have liked it if they sat on a diving board. He pulls his pants up as far as they can possibly go, like showing off his whole <laughs> leg and calf. And Jeff says, can you tell us exactly what happened? And that's when Chang goes into that, yes, uh, I woke up at 5.58 a.m. I, I took my morning deuce. <laughs> really funny. That's where we cut to commercial. All of the scenes in this pool area are just so funny and chaotic. And apparently they were terrible to film. Oh, was the sound really hard because they were in a pool? I guess they were there for like 16 hours. Oh. And we'll talk about Leonard later, but there's some (laughs) stories with Leonard being in the pool. Oh, no. And, oh, they said that in this pool where they were filming at, they were like, it was like disgusting and there were like cockroaches all over the place. For real? Yeah. Yikes. And they said they were just there for 16 hours. They said Allison Brie was there for 16 hours, and the one little scene in that subplot she was in ended up getting caught, uh, cut from the episode. <laughs> I was going to say I didn't see her there at all. Yeah, she wasn't, and she was there all day with them. And, that sucks. But uh, they also said that it was really funny because pretty much the entire day they got to watch John Oliver and Jim Rash and Ken improvise over each other. I guess mm-hmm. they were even like, this episode they really weren't sure of and made a lot of changes to scenes like as they were happening yeah and even like in the editor's room like chopped up the order the episode was going to be in and kind of moved it around Mm -hmm. which we'll mention in a second um and i guess like while they were filming in this pool dan Harmon and the guy who was credited writing the episode were like sitting in the bleachers rewriting the scenes while they were filming it good god while they were filming improv you know (laughs) good grief so now we get to one of those scenes that w- was one of the rewritten scenes that's Chevy or Pierce trying to write the Greendale school song. Greendale, Greendale. These scenes when I was younger I thought were very funny. But this time watching it, I almost think that Chevy's acting and improv in this is kind of cringy. Really? I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's supposed to be, the stuff Pierce is writing is supposed to be not very good, mm-hmm. but it really feels like Chevy being like, oh, I can do all kinds of funny musical stuff and trying really hard to be funny unscripted, and it doesn't work that well. And as soon mm-hmm. as they go from like the Greendale, Greendale, which I think is a little bit dumb, into like yeah. the scripted lines, all of a sudden he starts doing better. Ah. In my opinion. I gotcha. I gotcha. I could see that. I do like Annie and Pierce's dynamic in this, and Annie and Pierce is a dynamic they go back to a couple times in the series, where Annie is the only one who's really nice to Pierce, and yeah. always like kind of stretches out a hand to Pierce when everyone else won't, and Pierce kind of, I don't know, he says a couple times throughout the series that Annie is his favorite, and... Uh, does nice things for her so it was mm-hmm. nice to see that in this episode yeah i think that annie is the only one that ever takes pierce seriously yeah and now it might be because she's you know young and a little bit naive so when an adult tells her what to do she goes along with it at this point yeah i don't think that stays the same the episode that really comes to mind is the episode where they put on a play that's like drug awareness yeah. Pierce, like, bribes Annie with money into, like, making his part bigger and stuff like that. 
That's a mm-hmm. Pierce and Annie lo- uh, plot line that I really like, and I think this episode is kind of a precursor to that. Totally. I totally see that. The little part when Annie asks for a little clip of what he's working on, he's like, oh, well, I think we'll start with something <laughs> like, buh, and then this I think here, it'll yeah. end with something like, buh. <laughs> <laughs> and the lyrics, oh, well, that's part of the surprise. And as someone who partakes to an extent in creative endeavors but is very prone to procrastination this is really relatable when yeah. someone be like hey what are you working on show it to me i'll be like uh uh well five seconds of it it's like right you working on it for a week and a half i know sometimes i'll go to like show somebody like a song or something and i'll be like oh well it's very unfinished and uh there's no melody rhyme and rhythm but i like these three words in this order it's like you've been working on it for months and like yeah and you've got it like down perfect in your head but then as soon as someone asks for it to like share it you're like oh well it's really bad and (laughs) it's probably not even finished i'm probably just gonna throw it away yeah (laughs) it's really funny when annie is coming down on pierce a little too hard and pierce tries to end the conversation by playing annie out I know it sounds funny, but let me play you out, okay? Playing you out now, this song. You know, like on stage, playing you out, okay? Thanks for coming. I, I... Yeah, it's funny. Her like little walk almost like matches up with the rhythm. It's I, I cracked up pretty hard every time right there. And to compliment Chevy after kind of calling out his... I think the part in his acting that bothered me is in the next scene like this. I like when his little, thanks for stopping by, bye-bye, <laughs> the way he says all that, I thought was very funny. And it yeah. seemed like Chevy was really trying here. So then immediately after Annie walks out, Pierce goes right into like, okay, I got nothing. And then we get to cut right back into this great court plot line. Chang is still telling a story about what happened saying like oh then she yelled screw you or screw education or something like that (laughs) something like that the dean and duncan are not very impressed with what chang's saying chang says that britta left in her boots like it was tampon time if you know what (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) and jeff says objection i don't know what he means i think we all know what he means and it's just terrible (laughs) not great not the best thing to say but totally in line with a joke that Chang would make. Yeah. Or not even really a joke, just a statement that he would make. Duncan's like, please don't encourage him. <laughs> I love especially Chang and Duncan's reaction or like interactions mm-hmm. just so much. It's just so funny because they're so annoyed with one another. After they get kind of discouraged about what Chang's saying, he goes back to the table and they bring Britta up. And that's when we get another killer Dean line. Now, are those the high heel boots he was talking about? Yes. Are they comfortable? Yeah. I'm just curious. They're cute. The Dean's really trying to be a good Dean and to be like a real college. But this whole time, he's like kind of like riding in a seat like a kid who's bored and wants to leave, you know, and like really finicky and twitchy. I think yeah. it's really funny. I love the Dean so much. He's such a great character. And Jim Rash does just such a great job. Britta takes back her confession and says that she was not the person who cheated. Everyone's totally getting at each other, uh, and they have to stop talking because this old lady is, like, crossing the area in her swim cap and goggles. (laughs) 
that's so funny it was really it's good. So ridiculous. Just being in a pool, and it's not even like it's like a a small like private. No, it is a pool that people are actively right. using, splashing around in. <laughs> so they shouldn't be surprised when people are yeah. So good. The dean's kind of on Britta's side and saying that like the only crime it seems she committed was that she wanted to help out her class and wanting mm-hmm. to be taller with her with her boots or high heels or whatever. Yeah. Jeff is kind of at a loss of what to say, and there's a great callback to the pilot when he thinks about his lawyerly speech he's going to give and he goes the world wasn't the only thing that changed on september 11th yeah <laughs> which goes back to we know that he used that for duncan in in the past to get him out of a dui so that's just like his go-to to get people sad about 9-11 yeah that was so good <laughs> when that doesn't take he demands a recess and nobody is down for it because it's not looking good for jeff and they just want to get it over with but then when someone splashes from the pool and it gets on the table, he, then they're all down for a break. And the dean's like, save, save the, the table, table, save the table. Chang starts fanning it with his notepad, <laughs> which I don't know exactly what that's going to do to the water right. on it. Now we cut back to Choi and Abed. Choi's walking down an outside area eating a, a lollipop that's definitely not red. And <laughs> Abed is crouched behind talking like transmission, talking about how tall Choi is, like he's spying on him and waited for the perfect minute for Troy to walk by and him already be in like mid discussion with himself mm-hmm. times it really perfectly yeah so it was and you can tell how much work Abed put into it to i mean really just know where Troy was going to be coming and you knew that he had to i mean at this point it's it's peak Abed putting in like an insane amount of work just to ultimately do what he thinks friends do Choi's like, are you just messing with me? Is that what this is? And Abed really dryly says, yep, that's it. I was messing with <laughs> you. You got me. You caught me. And Choi's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and then I love <laughs> Abed run. He like turns around, runs, like jumps over an entire garden bench. <laughs> and goes to... Boop! <laughs> Can you do it? Let's hear I yours. I think in like the Hulu. There you go. It said, like, in the uh, Hulu subtitles, um, it said, like, warbles or something like that. And I was like, what a great word to describe it. So Troy watches what he's doing and walks away with that, like, what's going on here, face? And we smash cut back into the pool plot line. A really funny scene with Chang and Duncan going into, like, the showers have a sidebar during this recess this was maybe my favorite scene of the episode they're trying to like get to the bottom of their beef okay so i feel like if we're gonna get to the bottom of our beef steven it -hmm. would be very similar to this situation right here absolutely we need to be in a room with less balls yeah there's this naked guy showering and that's a pretty relatable thing i've definitely been to like public pools and every time you are done at the public pool or are in the morning getting ready for the public pool in like the shower room there is like a old dude naked scrubbing himself yep so i'm so i used to work at a at a pool i hate pools now after working at a pool hate pools hate going to pools hate swimming in pools hate it did you see a lot of balls i saw a lot of dirty underwear that was left behind gross Mm mm-hmm so people uh adults maybe we should move on from this line yeah back to the show uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, do you mind if we have this conversation in a room with less balls? You're, you're very confident, I'll say that. 
but you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, not like Chang is anyone to talk. You know, we've all seen The Hangover. Do you think that more people, okay, have seen The Hangover or have seen Community? Well, The Hangover is one of the highest grossing comedy films of all time. Right. When The Hangover came out, and when the second one came out, it was a huge deal. Since then, not so much. So I think Community has like the staying power. I think Community will stand the test of time. But I think probably more people have seen The Hangover. What say you? Okay, okay, okay. So you're, you, would, you would agree that more people have seen The Hangover than, than have seen Community. Unfortunately. So that means that more people have seen his penis, right, than have seen Community. That's probably true. I mean, there's hard to know an exact number of people who watch anything. But if we That's took true. how much money The Hangover made versus how many people were watching Community each week, yeah, I don't think it would be even a close competition. Not even, oh, well, when Community was airing, especially not even close. But I think even now, more people have definitely seen The Chang than... Community's <laughs> coming back with a vengeance. It and is. Chance the Rapper just tweeted about Community. Yeah. That's fun. He's hip. Part of me feels like it's the best of times and the worst of times to be doing a Community podcast because it's back with a vengeance. But now it feels like we're like hopping on the bandwagon when I've been on this bandwagon for a very long time. Listen, we were both day oneers. We both watched the pilot when it aired. Didn't stick around mm-hmm. with it forever after that, but we can both say that we watched the pilot when it aired. Yeah. Live. Anyway, sorry if there's any slight audio change for anyone. We had a few technical difficulties and had to start over a little. So that being said... Hello and welcome to You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. I'm Dom. I'm... <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and I'm and I'm Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character from Fast and the Furious. Is his name Andre? Yeah, like, no. Uh, but <laughs> Vin Diesel plays. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, Vin Diesel played Dom and Andre in that one. I must have missed it. Yeah, he did. The Rock played the morning. Okay, so like in a different area of the locker room shower area, Jeff and Britta are having a conversation about what's going on, about their strategy, how they're going to get Britta out of this. Oh, there are a couple of things I've meant to mention throughout the episode that I haven't mentioned. Um, Behind Jeff and Britta during this scene, there's a human being poster with swim goggles on. Oh, really? Um, The episodes were aired out of order. They were produced. So the episode where the human being is created and introduced is the next episode. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a little little, little bit. Yeah, because the network messed up the airing schedule. We're seeing the human being before he's been established. Uh, Likewise, the Luis Guzman statue was visible in the episode we tackled last week. And then it was introduced in this episode. Yeah. So is this supposed to be the fourth episode? I don't know. I'd have to go look at... You can look at, like, the production codes for the episodes, and they'll tell you the order they were produced in. So I'd have to go look to know for sure. But oh, that's wild. I wonder how They messed how around with the is. first season quite a bit. Well, all of these first several episodes feel like they could have been the second or third episode, you know? That's true. They're all kind of that, here's the group in a circumstance, get hooked, you know? Right. So, yeah, they're talking about their strategy. I always think that Jeff in this scene without a suit jacket on, he looks like Green Day. When he <laughs> it's just white shirt, black tie, or like a ska band. I think we yeah. talked about this last weekend. He totally looks like it. He just needs some guy liner. 
which Joel McHale has worn before. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. My girlfriend watched this episode with me and she thought this scene was awkward and I can see that, but I like the moment where we see through Jeff's facade a little bit and when Jeff is like, Britta, look at me. Look at me. I am. No, look how handsome my face is. If all I wanted was sex, I could get it from plenty of women without having to go through all this crap. I'm here because I like you and I, I, I'd be psyched to be your friend. I just didn't want to take sex off the table without doing my due diligence. I actually believe you. Well, why wouldn't you? I don't know. I feel like he that's like the most honest he's been with Britta this entire series so far. Yeah, but I think it's only because he kind of realized that he actually had hurt her feelings with what he said. You know, because what he essentially did say to her was, I don't want to be your friend. You know, right. I want to sleep with you. I don't right. want your number to be your friend with, you know. And I think that... Uh, you know, even though he kind of makes those sideways comments, they tend to actually do damage sometimes. Just like the, you know, you have autism or you have Asperger's, whatever he well, said, the Abed and the of former course. so stuff like that, you know. But but like you said, it is him being honest. And he's like, yeah. all right, you know, I want to leave the door open. He's like, I do care about you, which I think is true. I think he does genuinely yeah. care more about Britta than just sleeping with her. Jeff has but... tons of negatives, but I don't think it takes away from the growth that we do see just like how in the first episode jeff saying you have asperger's to abed is one of the most like oh my god gut punches of the series yeah and jeff and abed's relationship is one of the most wholesome and lovable things on the show absolutely true so it doesn't totally i don't know take away from the positive here yeah but i I get where you're coming from and i totally see that too i just want to like jeff because i remember liking jeff even if he was kind of smarmy yeah. This is when Britta mentions, and this is very true to the Britta character, that she feels like she might have left the crib sheet on the floor in class on purpose. Because mm-hmm. maybe she wanted to get in trouble, maybe she... I don't know. She's like so sure that she's going to fail that she won't give her a cha- herself a chance not to. Or exactly, she's yeah. so sure that it'll end a certain way that she like makes that happen. Yeah, and I think this is probably the the first big look we have at how self-destructive Britta actually is. Yeah. And how little she actually thinks of herself, you know? Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, a, a precursor to... You know, and that's one thing that I, I have really liked about this first season, is it gives you peeks into some of the, like, dark issues that a lot of the characters have, you yeah. know, without necessarily... Uh, for most of them going too in-depth on the actual, you know, things that brought them to where they are. Yeah. You can kind of just see traces of, you know, whether it was Annie getting picked on or feeling ignored in high school or, you know, Shirley being jealous about her husband, stuff like that, you know, so it's just little things. So I think they do a really good job um, of that this whole first season, which is tough to do for this many characters. It's something that gives reason to why we're, like, dissecting these episodes, because there is stuff to dissect. There's a lot to... They're doing smart character work within a fairly traditional sitcom at this point in its life. Totally. We smash cut to them back into the pool area, and this is a thing that I think is a little bit awkward, is when it cuts to the, ladies and gentlemen, my client is insane, and Britt is like, what? And then, yeah. uh, like, uh, the Dean and Chang look at each other, and then it cuts to commercial. I always thought that was an awkward, like, act break or whatever. I hate stuff like that. I It's just, it's, and I get it's a TV show, and they have to go to commercial, and they have to shoot stuff that ends the scene to go to commercial, but stuff like that just feels so unnatural, because then they always cut back, like, either with a slightly, 
like different version of the same line yeah i was just about to say that and now that we're in the age of streaming you know watching a show without commercials most of the time when it goes the girl will be like oh i have to decide between johnny and jimmy and then after commercial be like so jimmy and johnny i'm deciding between them which will it be (laughs) exactly and oftentimes it's really lazy and this show never does it that badly but sometimes it is really lazy like just saying the same line with the words moved around a little bit so everyone's caught back up to speed exactly when it comes to storytelling i love the rule of like show don't tell you got to say a lot through your dialogue but when you can make us understand things by like showing them to us rather than like expressing i am sad because this exactly show that the character is sad and show i don't know there are better ways to do it than just and sometimes it is good just to say it out loud But when that's what you fall back on, your characters don't seem real. Totally. It's just a very TV moment. And I don't think this show does it that bad. But uh, this is one of the scenes on the commentary. They said that in the editing room after filming, they moved it around a bunch. And originally, Mm. that wasn't the lead up to a commercial. It was going to be like the Choi and Abed thing outside. And then this scene was just going to continue. The like, my client's insane. And Jeff would go like right into his speech, which I think would have worked a lot better. Yeah, I agree. Because after the commercial... Yeah, we go right back into Jeff's speech, and this is one of the first classic winger speeches to round up the end of the episode. I don't know that we've gotten a winger speech proper since the pilot. No, and I think that this is the first winger speech that... The one in the pilot's good, but it's it's very much the pilot winger speech. Mm-hmm. I think this is, like you said, the first real one we, we're getting. We're getting to see Jeff lawyer. It's shading in his character a little deeper. Mm-hmm. You, you can take a couple steps away from this and imagine what he would be like in a courtroom setting and his speech i don't know it's this is also farcical crazy greendale maybe not as chaotic as the show ends up getting but this is pretty silly and for him to be giving this grand lawyer speech in front of this ridiculous setting is really (laughs) funny do we really want to make it a crime to be crazy at greendale i mean look at us i mean you two are arguing about status at a college that correspondence schools make fun of. Dean, you want so bad for this place to be Ivy League that you are putting us at risk of electrocution because everyone on this campus is nuts. This is when we see the legend, Leonard. Himself. is played by Richard Erdman, who passed away last year, sadly. Mm-hmm. And Richard Erdman, at the time, was like living Hollywood history. If you go look up his IMDb, like you absolutely should look up his IMDb. He's mm-hmm. been in so many things from like episodes of Gunsmoke to really? like he like directed things. He's had so many credits and he never stopped working from the time he was like very very young. That's awesome. Um, apparently he was briefly Marlon Brando's roommate before Marlon Brando was famous. What? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so we see Leonard and, you know, Jeff's Do you want to hear my about... Marlon Brando impression? How can I say no and yes at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Go you ready? <laughs> Let me puff up my cheeks. That'll help. I'm Marlon Brando! <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10. I'm Marlon Brando! <laughs> I'm Marlon Brando! You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding and you ask me this? <laughs> <laughs> better or worse than john oliver oh so this <laughs> speechless so, ladies and gentlemen so 
Jeff's giving the speech about <laughs> how crazy people come to Greendale and um, how we're all crazy. And that prompts Leonard, who's in the pool on a paddleboard, to say, not me. <laughs> and apparently a big part of why this section of the episode took 16 hours for them to film was because Richard Erdman can't swim. <laughs> so... He's on that paddleboard, and every time they would do the shot, they'd, like, have two people take him to where he needed to be in the pool and, like, help hold him up, <laughs> like, until they needed to call action, then they'd get out of the way really fast, and he would start slowly sinking, and he would try to get his one line out, and I guess the first time they did it, he killed it, but Dan Harmon wasn't in the room, so he came back and wanted it to be done again, and then it kept not happening right and they ended up using the first take but they did it like a bunch of times oh, no and if you watch it closely it's not too bad but when he's saying busted he's totally like eating water while he's doing it <laughs> oh god that's so funny i think it's very just funny little leonard just naked leonard in the pool <laughs> and this man who's had such a history in show business i think he's the type of person that he'll do what you ask him to do so Why when did they he were like, to swim? I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe he knew how to swim, and now he's a thousand years old. You know, it probably doesn't work <laughs> That's the same. Fair. Things probably don't work the same. Yeah. And I think he's just such a go-getter that they were like, "Hey, come be on the show. We're gonna have you swim across a pool." And he's like, "Yeah, of course, I'll absolutely do that." Then they get there, and <laughs> they're like, "I can't swim." <laughs> the "shut up, Leonard" is a running joke in the series, and I don't think he says "shut up, Leonard" here, but we do get a. Oh, come on, Leonard. If you're going to argue with me, put on a bathing suit. Busted! <laughs> Leonard is absolutely in the nude. So then Jeff turns things around and says that you need to sentence Britta to having to stay here. Because if crazy people can't go to Greendale, where are they going to go? And that's so true. Not just in the universe of the show, but all of us crazy people that love this show and surround around this show. If we couldn't all go to Greendale, where would we go, you know? Right. Duncan, really quickly, before they can totally decide what Britta's punishment is going to be, he adds in that they have to, like, spend an hour together, because he's a trained mental health professional each week, like, around nine. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> and taps the towel. <laughs> right. So he, so he gets the date with Britta, after all. He kind of... I don't think you could... I don't think a date is the right thing, but yeah. He gets the yeah. therapy session with, with Britta. Although, be honest, though. Do you think that it'd be possible to have a, a real date with Britta and it not be a therapy session? That's... Yeah. That's very <laughs> that's very true, both for you and her. Yeah, I know. I've thought you know, long she'd and hard be, about she'd dating She'd sit down Britta. and be like, so how are you? We know, Steven. <laughs> and I'd be we like, know. so how are you? And then we'd sit there in silence, and then after... Three tears fell from each of our eyes, and then our love would, would unfurl, as LL Cool J so eloquently put it. Oh, man, I really wish your connection would have lost this time, <laughs> halfway through that. <laughs> so tr <laughs> we cut to Troy walking down a hallway, and this is where he and Abed's plotline rises to a head. Um, he just walks past like a like a janitor's closet or like a little little extra room and Abed's got this screen with like him with antenna <laughs> and stars behind him 
Um, and they're talking. He's talking to himself on the screen. They're talking about Troy, and Troy's watching. And this plot line does almost go too far to being too. I don't know. I don't think it's that funny sometimes, but yeah. it also kind of is. It's so ridiculous. And exactly. Abed went so far into it. Well, and here's here's my takeaway from this that I yeah. kind of grasp, yeah. grasped at as I was watching. Um, I'm sorry, Abed really goes. I, <laughs> I grasped. Um, he really goes to great lengths to maintain his friendships. You know, whether it was in the first episode, he, you know, helps Jeff with Britta. He, you know, um, well, for Annie, he sits in a room for 26 hours, you yeah. know, waiting for Annie. And that's just because she said, you're my friend and that's what friends do. And he said, yeah. okay. So he did it. You know, in this, Troy said, oh, friends mess with each other. He's like, oh, this is my friend. I'm going to mess with him. I'm going to get him good. And he's mm-hmm. hard to get. So I have to do something really elaborate and crazy to, to get him. And he totally and, does. Whether or not Troy ever actually believes Abbott's an alien, he totally gets Troy. He does. He, he gets him. <laughs> Before Troy even says anything, Abed puts that like fake smile on. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not an alien. <laughs> <laughs> said like someone who totally is an alien and and he had very clearly you know practiced like the the that whole interaction so many times that he knew exactly what he was going to say regardless mm. of what troy was saying He's like no and this is a really silly plot line and the conversation that leads to a truth moment is also very silly but this does lead to troy and abed deciding to be I don't know, this is their friendship forming. And they're deciding to be honest with each other mm-hmm. and mess with each other like together instead of like against each other. We see their handshake for the first time. Yeah, the handshake that, you know, embarrassingly or not, we did throughout a majority of our senior Not embarrassing at all, Stephen. It's embarrassing it because I school. had to touch you, Zach. We did it in college. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we still, every time we see each other... At least once. Absolutely. Well, we have to do it twice. Garrett barges in in full <laughs> alien gear with a painted on eye. And he's just so <laughs> ready. He goes right into... <laughs> and I would have loved to have seen what the plan was from that point. <laughs> Garrett, it's over. He knows. You're getting a little sloppy. We went over budget. Mm. Oh, Garrett was so ready though. He was he was all yeah. in. Yeah, and he's totally disappointed when Abed calls it off. He like holds his hands like, "What the hell?" and he just blahs his way off. Yeah. And it's because they went over budget, which I feel is like a jab at the making of a television episode, you know, like going over budget, so having to kind of half-ass one of the things that should have been a little more high-tech. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Now we get another one of those scenes of Pierce working on the song. He's falling asleep. There's crumbled up paper all over the place. And this is the scene where I thought his probable improv was annoying. When he's singing Greendale, Greendale, Little Star, and then he puts his head down on the piano, he makes a really bad fake crying face and noise. Yeah, that's pretty his head bad. down. He's like, ah, 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 <laughs> And then Annie comes in and the dialogue for the scene starts. And as soon as he's actually going on a script, 
it's fine. It's, it's hilarious, yeah. He, like, looks up at Annie and wasn't expecting her there, and his acting gets a lot better all of a sudden. There's a solid Pierce line where uh, Annie's like, you know, what's going on here? And he says, well, I'm no more of a songwriter than you, or Billy Joel. Billy Joel. I'm pretty sure that's a running thing that he has some disdain for Billy Joel that we hear a couple more times in the series. That makes sense. I could see and them having some sort of history together. This is when we get that Hawthorne Wipes jingle that's so yelly and angry for some reason. <laughs> You'll be wiping off that ketchup with our wipes. Hawthorne Wipes! You'll be wiping off that mustard with our wipes at the picnic! <laughs> also, what wipes have a jingle? What do you mean, what kind of wipes have a jingle? All kinds of products have a jingle. I'd like you to sing me the Cottonelle Wipes jingle, please. <laughs> Cottonelle Wipes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, a Cottonelle at the picnic. I'm no more a musician than you or Billy Joel, you know, so I can't just come up with something. That is a fair statement. Pierce has an honest moment. This is clearly the part that was originally Annie coming down on Pierce and being kind of mean to him. Mm-hmm. But instead, he admits that he can't do what he's been asked to do, and Annie gives him a pep talk. <coughs> Excuse me. A Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> Annie gives him Upset a... stomach. Diarrhea. Is that the Cottonelle? Is that, is that the Cottonelle song? <laughs> yep. Something about diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> Annie gives Pierce a pep talk through telling a story about her own childhood, and it seems like she's, like, off in another universe while she's telling the story and, like, bringing up some repressed trauma. <laughs> Talking about getting ready for the team bus to go to Taco Bell. I don't know, just a bunch of, like, high school things. But much like when Pierce gives advice to people, and it's not quite right, Annie's point does cut through to Pierce, and he does get an idea for a song, which is a actual song that he's just copying just like everything else <laughs> yeah a song that i'm not familiar with it's the way it is by bruce hornsby and obviously it's a carbon copy i recognize the piano part but i definitely don't know the song i've seen this episode a bunch of times and i know the song just from pierce singing it mm. and yeah i don't know the song at all maybe i should actually seek it out who they I say it was bruce hornsby yeah never even heard of him yeah I thought that at first it said Bruce Springsteen, and I was like, this is a Bruce Springsteen song? And then I was like, no. So we're all outside, and the dean has unveiled the Louise Guzman statue. <laughs> and Jeff comes up to Britta, who says, don't talk to me for a while. I don't know. I guess she's like play mad at him, but they're still sitting together outside. So we're still yeah. just given a little sitcom romancy moment. Yeah, she's like kind of mad, because like he said, she's insane. But at the same time, he like kept her from being expelled. And we get... Pierce's song, which is a direct parody of this song I've never heard, I imagine. And I really like this moment. I think this is a great, like, indicative of Greendale moment. I do too, especially the fact that this song that's very clearly a ripoff of another song, and that in the middle of it he says, Annie believes in me, and sings yeah. it. Dean yeah. is dancing along to it, just happy that Greendale has a song like a real college would. He's the only person, everyone else is just, like, <laughs> standing around, like, what's going on? <laughs> Then there's the Abed and Jeff line. Is this Bruce Hornsby? Yeah. Does he know he stole it? Yeah, I don't think so. Let him enjoy it. Can we get sued? Not sure. Greendale's away it goes. Yeah, they got us. We pan out on Pierce playing, and it's a really nice shot of the outside campus. There were a couple of good shots. Um, at the very beginning, when the dean was kind of just talking 
there was another shot that made like of an outside. It was probably just stock footage that they got, you know, one day. But it's it's always cool when they show stuff that makes it look bigger than a cafeteria and a study room. Yeah. Um, so that's the end of the episode. It fades out on that song. Uh, the other story that I heard while preparing for this episode that I wanted to share, and this is my only chance to now, I guess. Luis Guzman was the second choice for a statue. Um, really? Their first choice was to use Mark Hamill. <laughs> and now, Mark Hamill at this time, it was pre-Force Awakens, so he was a pretty washed-up celebrity at that point. Yeah. And I get, and Dan Harmon said on the commentary that Mark Hamill told them no through a letter, and he said it was like the nicest he'd ever been told no by anyone. <laughs> I, could you imagine if Mark Hamill had done this? Yeah, that would have been great. But he wrote this letter about how he got the joke and he liked the show, but he was a little bit embarrassed about the joke and that he didn't really want to be the butt of the joke. Oh. And they were like, yeah, we totally get it. But I thought that was a, yeah, an, a funny little aside because Mark Hamill's like a super celebrity now again, thanks to the new Star Wars movies. Yeah, because I don't think that... At least before the new Star Wars movies, I hadn't, you know, thought of him doing much other than the Joker voice. Yeah, it was mostly voice acting, I believe. Yeah, Maybe so, a few guest spots on some things. Mm-hmm. I'm also not a huge Luke Skywalker fan, so... I like I like him in the Steven, new one. no, no, <laughs> no! Everything you've just said is wrong. Let's move on. Uh... <laughs> This is not a conversation for right now. (laughs) (laughs) On our Star Wars episode where we discuss how episode one is the greatest of all of the Star Wars movies followed closely by episode three, um, then we will be dissecting each and every scene an excellent line from the prequels in the Cartoon Network Clone Wars series. Steven. Hand-drawn, not CGI. I want to like you so bad. (laughs) You keep saying such stupid, stupid things. (laughs) <laughs> let's talk about this intag we've gone on i don't i really don't even know exactly who knows because it's broken up so you know yeah. you really can't tell we've been recording for close to two hours so let's talk about this oh, intag sh- let everyone get back to their miserable <laughs> lives so this is a really funny bit there's not a lot to say about it it's the stuff in the the pencils in their mouths while troy appears to be pretending to be asleep for some reason yeah you know just a pure troy and abed thing it looks like the game is who can put the most, or who yeah. can get the most pencils put in their mouth? In a certain before, period of time, or something. Yeah. Or before they have to give up, yeah. Yeah, before and they have to quit and breathe. That's a lot of pencils. I'm wondering if some of them look like they're just barely in his mouth. So I wonder uh-huh. if maybe some of these are like stuck together in one way or another. I don't know. Yeah, that might be true, because he kind of puts them in a bundle into Danny Pudi's mouth. Yeah, it, well... So when they take him out of Troy's mouth, there's this gross amount of, probably fake, but this gross amount of spit that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. And I was wondering, like, and then they have Danny put the same pencils in his mouth, but it looks like different pencils. <laughs> no way. And gotta be. Also, gotta be. Yeah, it's totally different pencils. That's how they went over budget. Troy drops all the ones that were in his mouth on the couch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the end of the episode. I really enjoyed this one. I have very few complaints about it. Yeah, it was funny. It made me laugh a ton. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think... I'm more critical, like, talking about it because it is a good episode. I think, it, it for me, I uh, do hold it on the higher end of the ones, especially from season one yeah. so far. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. 
Um, I think it like just for me misses like the Dungeons and Dragons or like the first couple. Oh, of definitely, it's things. nowhere near that. Yeah, it's like not up there. But in terms of like just a good episode of the show, it has storylines for six of just the about seven everybody main characters. But it also adds in the Dean and Duncan and Chang, which is great because those are three of the funniest side characters, especially you know so far in the show who we have. You know, yeah. it's, it was really well done. Yeah, if this show can just, especially in this early stages, if it can just keep me laughing consistently throughout the episode and maybe do a little bit of thoughtful character work underneath, which I think this one does with Jeff and Britta a little bit. Totally. Um, I count that as a success. I don't have much wrong with it. And you're right that when an episode's good, it's easier to be like, oh man, these one or two things would have kept it from being great. You know, it's mm-hmm. easy to focus on those couple of things. But I think this was a largely successful episode. Totally. Unlike this podcast, it's been a train wreck. Oh, this has been easily... The least fun I've had in decades. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to call it after this. I'm going to see if Dom and Andre need a third. Yeah. Uh, That's awkward. I've already been working on it with them. Coming soon to uh, Podbean near you. Uh, Candy Crush Saga: The Story of One Man Alone by Himself. I'm just and Mario Lopez. None of, none of this is making the podcast. This is all trash. Sagging, sagging through the Candy Crush wasteland. Dom, Andre, I'm sorry. Or will you I guys seem great. I'm sorry. Will you have I be to deal the with candy this. that is crushed? You don't deserve any of this. You deserve to be respected, and and your show should be You'll have a up. candy crush on but, me uh, Wednesday nights at 8 uh, after Two Broke Girls. Guys, this doesn't represent me. I just want you to know that this does not represent me. Candy crush. <laughs> Steven, who, okay. who, is your, who is your MVP this week? Okay, okay, are you ready? Yeah, that's why I asked. So it's finally the first episode that my favorite character of the show, Troy. Is one of the seven? Is one oh, of it's the, Troy. Is one of the main, like, he's my favorite character of the show, so he, he has a, a big part in this episode, but he's not my MVP. Oh, okay, okay. My MVP is going to go to Dean Pelton, who okay. not only did he, you know, get a, a song made for his very real college, he <laughs> got to use his $6,000 table, which was a great investment, yeah. and he resolved a real student conflict uh, with an accusation wow. of cheating, which is taken very seriously at Greendale College. Much because, like a real much university. Much like a real university would, right? And he handled it. And the student is now going to get help to better herself as an individual and someone who can contribute to Greendale. Dean gets MVP for me. Well said, buddy. Thank you. I, you know, I've been speaking this whole episode about how I feel like those three characters are like a holy trinity, you know. Mm-hmm. And it would be easy to just want to write it off and give it to all three of them. Yeah. But yeah, I've been in agreement with you. I also would like to give it to Dean Pelton. Yay. Um, he has the funniest lines in the episode. Mm-hmm. We're really starting to see... I think the Dean might be one of my favorite characters in the entire series. And we're really starting to see him come through. And it's really fun to watch. He's such an interesting, weird character. And yeah, he shined really well this episode, as did most of the cast. Totally. And I think what the Dean was able to do this episode that most characters don't do in Community. And that is exactly what you said. He had the funniest lines. Normally, I think it's... Uh, Donald Glover has the funniest lines, followed by Chevy Chase with some one-liners, right? But this one, the Dean had the funniest lines in the episode. It was great. Yeah, Dean and Ken, or Chang and Duncan all got really killer lines. Yeah, really good episode. Great episode for the the supporting 
characters. It's hard to be a supporting character on a show with, you know, seven main characters. So good job yeah. for them all. When it's such a killer cast of seven. Yeah, to stand absolutely. out is a lot. So while we're wrapping things up here, you talk about Troy being your favorite. Next week, we're discussing the first Troy episode of sorts. I am so um, excited. Football feminism and you, which I haven't really taken a close look at in a long time. So I'm well, I very intentionally. So when we did the rewatch podcast, I was watching you know some of the episodes, but I very intentionally did not watch this one because I wanted to come into it as fresh as possible because it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, to all you guys out there, uh, get involved with us. Rewatch with us. Join the conversation. If you want to talk with us during the podcast, email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Steven, where else can they find us? Uh, they can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at can't disappod. No. But... <laughs> uh, 60% accurate as usual, Morty. Um, <laughs> You can find us on um, Twitter at can't at you can't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at you can't disappoint a podcast. You, you can, can find us com. on Twitter at you can't disappoint. Instagram is can't disappoint podcast. We're also on Facebook. Um, and on yeah. Facebook, we are you can't disappoint a podcast. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> It's been a lot of fun talking to you. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Um, we'll be back with you next week, and we yeah. hope you're here with us. Yeah, thanks for uh, listening. Be safe out there. Black Lives Matter. Go donate. Um, stream videos. And yeah. be safe. I'm Zach. I'm Steven. And from inside the Dreamatorium, this has been You Can't Disappoint, a podcast. See you Dot guys com. next time. Dot org. Dot net. Dot biz. Cheers. <laughs> Mash. <laughs> After Mash. British one. Okay. Yep. All right, everybody. Recording now. <laughs> no. Not everybody. It's just you and me now. Oh no. Help. Standing in the bookstore line, waiting for the bell to chime, so you can go to class. Dancing in your underwear, taking air conditioner repair, so you can get a job. Greendale's away it goes Some things are still the same Slop pails and pantyhose Oh, and even leaves in 